and welcome to Actually Best Choice Movies, the world's only movie podcast. I am one of the hosts. My name is Chris Chafin. And I am the second host, Caleb Shively, re-recording my intro because of technical difficulties. But it's the year-end show, and hopefully it sounds all right because 2020 is over. But so one of the things, so it's going to be the year-end episode. We're going to tell you all about the movies we saw this year and we loved that we talked about on the podcast. It's movies we didn't get to on the podcast and uh, also a movie that didn't kind of kind of didn't exist because of 2020 or doesn't really exist yet um but there is no before we get to any of anything because we're just this is it this is the show we're in it right now so we're going to talk about um our top three movies of the year 2020 um like you said caleb you might have thought like no movies really came out and like in a certain sense yes like some movies didn't come out but like a lot of a lot of movies came out a lot of great movies came out yeah there was not as much studio as the bigger studios moved their uh, big pieces or their uh, even their Oscar contendering stuff away from this time period, but like indie films snuck in there, and a lot of just the streaming wars are happening, and those just went for the go for broke. There's a lot of like decent stuff that uh, I liked, and I am proud that I got to talk about and watch on our podcast and my life. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> Um, yeah, it isn't. Yeah, of course, a lot of movies came out through the streamers, but of course, the streamers were like purchasing movies or like releasing. I mean, obviously, with the mm-hmm. case of Wonder Woman and then all of 2021's movies for Warner Brothers, right? It's like there was some kind of like corporate reshuffling where things came out on streamers that maybe wouldn't have. And of course, Amazon was doing this thing all year where they were essentially theatrical movies, quote unquote were on Amazon for 20 bucks, which I know always pissed you off. (laughs) They were 20 bucks. Uh, Some of them uh, with lower prices. There's actually some indie movies that were came on there right away at like $6. But also speaking of the indie, I thought they did a great job of just being like, you know what? We wouldn't make that much money in theaters anyway. Let's just have uh, help support theaters and just people charge $12 for their, we'll get some kickback from uh, theaters streaming, uh, hosting it on their website, which is kind of cool. And, uh, you know, if you're... Yeah, there was all sorts of cool stuff like that this year. Yeah. We did the thing. I mean, Ke- Bam had a thing. Kino Lorber had that great mm-hmm. service, Kino Now, that we watched. Uh, yeah, Alamo on. had it. Uh, um, Oscilloscope had Alamo it. Alamo had it, yeah. Service, yeah, of the things they released, yeah. Oscilloscope, yeah. It was great. I mean, when the movies were all in great quality, I would say I didn't really have any technical problems with any of them. They all worked great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sometimes I'd have to hook up my laptop to the TV, which is, you know, I forgot. I, oh, well, I'm, yeah. I'm using definitely. the remote, and I forget, oh, I have to use my laptop. Uh, that was, like, the only thing. That's just more of me being an idiot, <laughs> if not anything. Yeah, well, right, okay. They didn't all have, like, they didn't... I mean, look how long it took fucking HBO Max to get on Roku, I know, right? Yeah, they week, didn't yeah. have the negotiations. <laughs> like, they didn't get their apps on. Although you would actually think getting a Roku app, because I will tell you, there are some awful Roku apps. Like, they are, don't have, like, a high level of requirements you would think just whatever they did on their website they could have just done on roku but i guess it's you know everything takes time and everything takes money so it's like you know they did what they did but the, the as far as like actually using the services though i thought they all were great and and they were all supporting local theaters and stuff like that mm-hmm. so i don't know kale do you want to go first why don't you tell them tell us you start do you want to do like you do all three and then i do all three or do you want to like alternate uh i'll do let's do Let's do alternate for the last part, but for now, let's do. Uh, I'll, I'll save the three movies that we covered on here on Actually Best Choice Movies. That were my three favorite movies that we covered on our podcast, which you're listening to, and you could go back and listen to those. <laughs> so, uh, movies that I love that we did. Uh, I gotta give it up for First Cow. 
which I, uh, we've talked numerous times of how important that movie is, but it really is just a fantastic movie. And luckily, I've been catching a lot. They've been showing it on Showtime, so I've been re- uh, rewatching just chunks of it every once in a while now too. And it really is just a quiet masterpiece of a film. Another movie I will pick that we covered, uh, we and it was on our documentary 2020 episode, uh, Time, from uh, director Garrett Bradley. Uh, just a beautiful piece of art. Really cool we covered it. We did it with uh, another good documentary, uh, Death of Dick Johnson, but Time I still is one of my favorite movies of the year. I don't know. I don't remember Chris didn't like this one as my third pick. Uh, she Dies Tomorrow. Uh, when I was going through it, my list of like, oh, yeah. favorite movies, uh, She Dies Tomorrow was like I mean, within the top five. I was like, oh, yeah, let's put that on there. Let's put it. I loved it. I loved it. It's it was funny to me and maybe shows how weird my sense of humor is or awful my sense of humor is. But just a really weird <laughs> You found this movie, movie funny. You found you found this movie funny. Yeah, I did. <laughs> it is like a weird conceit. What? I mean, we talk- I mean, there are funny moments in the movie, I guess. Yeah, the whole yeah, conceit I of guess. it is just like an unbelievable thing. And like when I put my mind into like this unbelievable accepting things that I usually end up laughing at stuff like that. I don't know, dude. I mean, I, I, I was definitely very depressed. It was very depressing and depressed movie. Um, and there were some funny parts, I thought. But uh, And, of course, it's a cool movie to pick. I'm glad that we did it on the show. Mm-hmm. I was glad to watch it. And, you know, like, it was great. And it, uh, but, uh, yeah, it wasn't really, it wasn't, it wasn't one for me, you know? Like, <laughs> it wasn't one for me. Yeah, I guess it really isn't. Um, should I, mean, I go now? Yeah. I, should, do, you, do you want to talk about the rest of your movies? No, uh, you know, obviously, I was so excited. Uh, you could go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, obviously, yeah, First Cow, I was so excited to see First Cow. It's a big part of the 2020 lore of actually Best Choice Movies is how... You know, I was so pumped for it, and I didn't see it uh, because of the pandemic. But you did get to see it in the movie theater. It's the last movie in a movie theater, I think, and it's that's great. That's a good story for like God knows how long until movie mm-hmm. theaters come back. But I think maybe I, you know, was just was built up in my mind too much, and I think maybe I realized I have never liked a Kelly Reichardt movie. <laughs> like I just mm-hmm. don't like them. They're just not for me. I don't know. For some reason, I thought First Cow was going to be different, and it it wasn't. Like it's just like it's it's a Kelly Reichardt movie, and her movies are great if you like her movies, and I just. It just doesn't. It's not for me. It's just not for she's me. A, you know? a, a slow cinema um, author. Yeah, I think we yeah, we did discuss her a little movie. bit in death. We we, did, we paired her with Wendy and Lucy. It's a fun episode to go back and revisit to talk to hear all, both of these opinions on Kelly Reichardt, dear listener. Yes, exactly, dear listener. Um, but for me, I mean, my three. So I just went back through the episode list for the year and looked at the movies that we did. And, uh, you know, obviously, I don't know if this is recency bias, but I was starting with the the most recent and looking back to the beginning of the year. And I was like, oh, yeah, The Nest. Like that, I really, really like The Nest. I know that's like kind of dumb because we just watched it. And it is like, I, you know, I can see the argument that it's like kind of a slight movie in a certain way. But I thought it was great. I really enjoyed watching it. I mm-hmm. thought the performances were so good. I mean, you and I talked so much about what a fantastic job Carrie Coon does in the movie. Like... That's one of the best performances I saw all year was Carrie Coon in The Nest. And like, you know, Jude Law is also really good in it. I think, and it's a, you know, it's a movie for adults of the kind you don't see very often. So it was really great to get to see. Um, I also liked another, I liked another movie. (laughs) I liked the 40 year old version a lot. I thought that movie was great. Uh, I was so glad to uh, do it on the show again. Um, 
and it was just such an interesting story. It was such a, a kind of a classic New York movie, a classic New York story, Definitely. but you know, maybe from a different point of view with a different kind of person in the lead. And I and I think that writer director Rada Blank, you know, she's so good in the movie, and she's also the star, right? She's, she's writer director and the star. Yeah. And so it's it was a very much like a recognizable New York City. I always love when you see that in a movie. Like another movie, uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me? Like that was also a, like a recognizable New York movie to me. So I, I really enjoyed it. And um, for the third one, it's a big competition for the third spot. I mean, I liked a lot of movies. We, you know, I liked Baccarat. I liked Deerskin. Like mm-hmm. I kind of really liked Deerskin. I really liked Deerskin a lot. Um, I, I liked Palm Springs. I thought Palm Springs was oh, a good cool. comedy. But yeah. I don't necessarily like ever want to watch it again. But I thought it was funny and I really enjoyed it the time that I watched it. Yeah, it's um, a, a, but for like a, the actual third, the actual third choice, I think I'd probably go with uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Oh yeah, um, I didn't even consider that because I thought that, that was two thousand. I've had it on my two thousand nineteen list, but yeah, it, it totally. Yeah, it, I know totally it is a two thousand nineteen movie, yeah. but we did it in the show on twenty twenty. Yeah, it was released it, in theaters. You know, it here. came out like around. Yeah. It wasn't released in theaters in New York until like February. Yeah, or something, that's true. Right? Yeah, uh, yeah, I have. Um, yeah, movies I'll talk about later on that are follow that same category. So yeah, t- that totally counts. I would agree with that. And uh, yeah, the nest was like I almost picked the nest too, but just knowing me, I was like I am a she dies tomorrow person. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad you picked the nest, and I'm glad that's getting some year end love. I would say the nest is in my top ten, and uh, Fordville version is definitely up there. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of fun things. I'm glad you brought up Back Row, which is not getting enough year-end love in general. It's um, funny because that movie actually got a lot of critical notice, I felt yeah. like. I felt like lots of people wrote about Back Row, but um, it's interesting to hear it's not getting year-end mm-hmm. list stuff. Um, the ones that we did cover that I are seeing getting a lot of year-end love uh, are both great movies. Uh, both we didn't mention, but they're both great. I think we both enjoyed them. Uh, the Assistant and Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. Two... Uh, uh, tough movies, very much of the, of their time movies, and I think we'll, they're gonna portray, uh, look, as we look back on twenty twenty. Those movie two movies will be like, oh wow, those are two important movies of the year. But yeah, uh, we did a lot of good good episodes this year. We covered uh, what was in the, what was what we could. <laughs> we covered what we could. I mean, yeah, it's interesting. Um, oh, those movies they are very much about the 2020 experience, mm-hmm. right? So I can see why you would pick those movies and they're good, important films. And this, uh, The Assistant, I actually thought about picking too. I, 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 I like The Assistant a lot. Never rarely, sometimes always I liked, but it's, and it's not exactly where I'm at in my life. Sure, right sure, now. sure. It wasn't like, it didn't hit me in the way it might hit me when I, when I was like 15 years younger, you know? I get that, yeah. Do you, wait, so wait, do you have more you want to say about any of these six movies? Uh, or the idea of movies that came out <laughs> this year? Uh, well, movies that we covered on the podcast. I th- uh, no, I think we did a good job. I liked uh, everything we did. <laughs> we're great people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously there were movies that came out this year that we didn't do. I mean, and this is not exactly what we're going to talk about in our next segment, which is like movies we didn't get to see because of, quote unquote, because of 2020. Yeah. But there, I was looking at Letterboxd today and like all of the top movies, like we haven't done any of them on the show. Um, oh, really? But they're all kind of, I don't know. Sound of Metal, Tenant, Mank, Wolf Walkers, Another Round, oh, and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Well, Ma Rainey's Black like Bottom just came out. I would, I would do Wolf Walkers. That's on Apple Plus, but I don't know how to watch Apple Plus. Yeah, Mank I didn't oh. want to do. <laughs> yeah, I don't really want to do Mank. I don't even really want to watch Mank. Oh, you didn't watch Mank? I've have watched, you watched it? I've watched Mank. It's uh, a very well-done piece of uh, film as a uh, manufactured, but I don't care about the plot. 
but it's kind of stupid. But it looks cool. It just seems kind of like a little wanky. It seems like a little wanky. Mank is wank? Mank is wank, yeah. You just flip <laughs> yeah. the M to a W and, are, and put yeah, that on Twitter. and Yeah. Uh, I mean, Sound of Metal we came close to doing, but we just couldn't find a good pairing for it. Yeah, we almost did that. <laughs> but, Sound of Metal. Yeah, I've heard good things about it. I mean, you you liked it, right? Yeah, uh, one, I would say, uh, you mentioned Carrie Coon as one of the best performances. I would say Riz Ahmed and Sound of Metal is one of the best performances of the year, uh, easily as well. Uh, but yeah, uh, as to transition a little bit to the next segment, it's, I mean, those movies we talked about missing for several different reasons. Uh, some of them we just didn't want to watch, but there are movies that, were released in theaters and obviously we're not going to theaters or just movies that were, Oh yeah, that came out. And I missed that. Or like, Oh, I did mean to see that. And that happened a lot in 2020 because through lack of just advertising or through the just more important things going on in the world. Like I missed way more movies than I want to. I have like a still see, I keep track of movies I've wanted to see. And there's like a still see list. I have that is pretty in depth of, things uh that does include tenet and uh, uh minari and nomadland are two other movies that people love that are going to get released in 2021 but everyone's putting on their 2020 lists uh but if for now we're uh we're, me and chris are just going to pick a movie that we really wish we saw <laughs> in 2020 uh and i'll start off uh mine is the climb uh it's from uh d- director michael covino uh, it won, at least was nominated for a certain regard, in certain regard at Cannes. Uh, mm-hmm. But the preview... That's the one, that's the award they give to the fucked up movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like not official Cannes, but it's cool Cannes. Uh, and like the preview was, I hate as a person, like, listeners know I don't like previews, but the preview for this movie was actually a really good preview. It shows the first scene in the movie, which is there are two guys biking and they're best friends. And one of them just tells his best friend, like, by the way, I slept with your wife. Mike, I'm getting married. How awesome is that? Awesome. She loves me for who I am. And, and I love her for who she is. I, I can't wait to spend the rest of my life with her. Kyle, I slept with her. What? What do you mean slept? And that's the whole, like the whole movie is them unpacking what that means. And every like re- review that I've like side-eyed and like just read like the basis, basis of the review is like, oh wait, this is, new comedy they're trying different things in comedy and like that's an easy sell for me or like oh i just want to see comedies succeed because they never really do (laughs) in 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 film or like get critical acclaim yeah right so i really wish i saw what about borat 2 subsequent movie film there's an important comedy honestly i i could get behind that i i know you didn't like it as much but i thought it was uh very very uh, a big swing from him, and I really appreciate that he even tr- tried to attempt it, and he tried to make it more about uh, a different character. And there is some very 2020 things in there that are just like, yeah, that's probably going to hold up wonderfully when we look back on that in a couple of years. And also, it's just news that Rudy Giuliani uh, tried having sex with a supposedly 16-year-old girl in that movie. <laughs> so he actually may affected 2020. I, I will stand by Borat, too. Uh, movie that I've watched and we did not talk yeah. about. I mean, I did not. I did not see it at all. Oh. I did not see it at all. That's a very good pick for your movie, Caleb. I am still not a hundred percent sure what you mean by this because it's a movie that came out in theaters that you didn't see. Um, I mean, I would say one I didn't see. I think it's on streaming now, and I also am kind of a baby, and I probably wouldn't have seen it. 
uh, but I was seeing trailers for it, and I was like, oh, I'm probably going to see that, was uh, St. Maud. Mm, yeah, that didn't come out in theaters. Yeah, I, 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 it's an a, a A24 horror movie, which that legacy has, we're in the golden age of A24 horror movies, and yeah, they had a right. big one, religious but That one. was going to be like a big movie this year. It's, they still released it to streaming, didn't they? I don't think so. If, if they did, I completely missed it, too. <laughs> I think it's maybe. I think it was maybe streaming on A24's website or something. Damn. But uh, I didn't see it. I remember seeing a bunch of trailers for it when I was going to see like 1914 mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, in like January. 1917. And I was like, oh, that. Yeah, 1917. <laughs> oh, did I say 1914? <laughs> hi, Umod. Yes. Hi. It takes nothing special to mop up after the dying. You're prettier than the last one. But to save a soul. That's quite something. Uh, the other thing is this movie is actually coming out right now. And I don't know if it's because I was Googling it, uh, but all I've been doing is seeing ads for it everywhere. So maybe this is like a really stupid pick. This movie with Carrie Mulligan, a promising young woman. Like this is another one I saw a million trailers for. And I was really like excited to see like Sam Richardson is in it, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had a conversation about that. I remember between us. I don't know if it, we made it to air, but uh, yeah, uh, it looked actually interesting. And Carrie Mulligan uh, in a, more populous film I think is great for her career because I really like her as an actress and wish she was in more things. Uh, yeah, it's a great pick. Yeah, that is just getting released to theaters now because I remember it was so on the cusp right at like that March time frame and then it just didn't get yeah. released. And now I've been seeing uh, the reviews pop up uh, this past week again. So it's hopefully we'll get to see it. And I did just check into St. Maud. It wasn't released. They moved it to 2021. So Hopefully we will get oh, to see Oh, really? It. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm happy that I didn't miss that either because I would have been sad if I missed that movie because there's so many movies oh, dude. that I've just missed in 2020. It's like, yeah, I mean, 2021, I mean, Caleb, like, I mean, I know we have another segment we're going to do, but can I just ask, like, what do you think? Like, like let's, like, when do you think you would go back inside a movie theater again? Oh, man. Uh, let's see. We get the vaccine. Everyone hopefully gets it. I don't know how the reporting on that will go or how accurate it will be when they say people getting the vaccine or how they'll actually test when it When do you public. think, when, yeah, when do you think you will, you will get the vaccine? Uh, summer or uh, earliest, maybe like May, uh, May to July timeframe. Uh, so movie theater wise, yeah. hopefully July, August. <laughs> Damn, that's so far. Away. So you would go back to a movie a movie theater like as soon as you got the vaccine, you would go to a movie theater. See, no, because of like everyone else. That's the thing. Other people. <laughs> that's the uh, the great unknown. And you know, Warner Brothers is putting all their movies on HBO Max anyway. So who cares? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. That's what's. I mean, we didn't really talk about this on the show either, but like. And the discourse around that was so deranged to me. This, like, Christopher Nolan letter. Like, I couldn't believe that Christopher Nolan is sending a letter to, it was The Hollywood Reporter, I think, mm-hmm. where he's saying, like, HBO Max, you know, the world's worst streaming service. They don't know what they're doing. And I'm like, well, what's the alternative, dude? They released Tenant in the movie theater, and it made, like, $15. Like, what do you think they're going to do? Yeah. I think there was probably just a lack of communication. And by that, I mean a lack of compensation on Nolan's part. <laughs> Uh, where he yeah. maybe didn't read a bottom line of a contract or didn't even consider the streaming or consider this too. Uh, but yeah, I've, I think it hits streaming in January. We get to watch Tenet finally. Uh, but it's also a lot on DVD now. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. To see. I mean, I'm excited here. to see. It's supposed to be awful. I, I hear it's awful. I heard it's convoluted, but it's cool looking, which 
would be great to see at a movie yeah. theater. <laughs> We're going to watch it at our homes. And it's like watching Inception off. again for the, like we, when you watch Inception back, you're like, this movie doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> but at the time, somehow, we were all swept up in the magic of, like, Leonardo DiCaprio on a full Yeah, acting takes it down easy, man. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I'm up for it. I'll, I'll watch it. I'm yeah, sure it'll be we'll fun to it. watch. It's uh, John David Washington, our patron St. Robert Pattinson. It's probably going to be watchable. But you know what I mean? Like, I understand that it has big money implications for all these directors and writers and actors because there's no more theatrical gross that they get a percentage of and they're all furious. Okay. But like from a viewer's standpoint, like it was weird to see the Hollywood elite people that have spent years talking about Donald Trump and have certainly spent all year talking about how Donald Trump is like a a menace and blah, blah, blah to suddenly be like, what? Like you want us to go to the movie theaters? Like (laughs) it's, that's irresponsible. Mm -hmm. We're all going to die. If we go to the movie theaters, like, yes, please release them on streaming. Otherwise no one will see them. Like, what do you, I didn't, I just didn't understand their point of view other than it was a money thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I always say that directors are making it for the movie theater to to watch on a big screen. And also uh, you you protect your art to, you know, protect your art. It's uh, what you do, but also not right now, not right now. As a person who agrees with them, just put it away for when we can come back. It's world, uh, world first. And also maybe if we can, you know, go to a country that's safe and actually has movie theaters open, let's all go to New Zealand and watch yeah. <laughs> their independent films, which probably they have probably a good film. I mean, that's where Peter Are Jackson you... came from. Well, yeah, you know, did I make you, we, it has never come out in America, but you know, our friend David White had this movie oh, that right, was like right, a huge yeah. hit. We talked about Zealand. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's an example of a good independent New Zealand movie. I'm Sean, and this is obviously my dating video. Just wanted to say I didn't kill my whole family. I read on the internet that you should show your hobbies. You sure you want want that one holding there? Yeah, that's my favourite gun. So, Caleb, what was a movie, like, what are other movies you saw that you didn't get to talk about on the podcast? um... Yes. We're going to do each of three, but yeah, uh, I'm here for it. Uh, first, I'll talk about uh, Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets, uh, Bill and Turner Ross. Uh, you could rent this on Amazon currently. Uh, I think it's cheaper right now, but wow, this movie. Uh, I'll say the title again, Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets. It's a documentary. It's also not a documentary whatsoever. Uh, it's shot very verti- uh, cinema verite style, or it's just it's the uh, last day of a uh, shitty dive bar. Uh, and it just fo- follows them from 11 a.m. till close, or the next morning, uh, just the people coming in and out. Uh, and it's all unprofessional actors. The bar's out, outside of uh, Las Vegas, so it's like a lot of like local, weird Las Vegas, older crowd who would go to this shitty dive bar. Uh, like It's the same like shitty playlist you hear at every bar. Uh, but it's so sweet, and uh, it just moves so well, and it's so real. Uh, and then when you actually learn about the film uh it's completely made up uh it's insane they it's not it's actually a bar they filmed it in new orleans they uh cast actors uh based off of real people and just told them to be themselves a cool thing they do is they don't aren't precious about uh the camera so like sometimes you see the cameras in the shots too it's absolutely mind-blowing when i found out that it was fake even though like i kind of knew it was fake going into it just because it didn't say documentary mind-blowing so real uh You've been to a bar like this, a shitty bar. You've loved a shitty bar like this. And it's very sad. It's just their communal hole going under. And it's 
it affected me more than I thought. I absolutely loved it. It's there's no actors who recognize it again. It's all people, real people they cast, who brought a character themselves. Mind blowing movie. Would 100 percent recommended. One of my favorite movies of the year. Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets. That sounds great, dude. That sounds really great. It I remember really is, he yeah. reading about that somewhere or something. I heard. I, I have heard also heard good things about it. Yeah, definitely. I would recommend checking it out. I, I, it's a, a a piece of art that gets to exist. <laughs> it's a piece of art. <laughs> Should I do one now, or do you want yeah, to do hit me, one? Chris? Hit me, hit me, Chris. We'll go back and forth. All right. So, Caleb, I I told you early in the show you're going to be mad at me when we got to this mm-hmm. segment. Um, so I'm going to say, like, look, look. Dude, look. So Caleb proposed these categories, obviously. I'm a new father. I have a full-time job. I have a writing career. And I am I am the co-host of two different podcasts, two different movie podcasts. So um, the movies I liked that I talked about, that I saw this year that we didn't talk about on this podcast are the movies we talked about on my other podcast. So this is, I'll just be very brief. These are, this, this other podcast is called 30 Years Later. You can come hear me talk about movies that came out 30 years ago this week. So we're just ending 1990, going into 1991. So we did a bunch of like movies from 1990 and I hadn't seen a lot of them actually. Um, so this, this is the first one I'm going to say, dude. This is, okay. Okay, so can I just say, when we did talk about this m- movie on the show, we had the um, director of indigenous programming at Sundance on, and he said that wow. this is actually was a really popular movie, like with his parents and like all of his parents' friends, and it was like very well thought of, and they really liked it. Is Dances with Wolves? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Guess what? It holds up. Film. It's great. <laughs> you Does should it? all go see Dances with Wolves? It fucking rules. If you haven't seen it, it's like a three-hour epic by Kevin Costner about like riding through a field with your shirt off. Like it's completely <laughs> insane. You, they don't make them like this anymore. I would 100% recommend it. Uh, I remember not liking it as a kid, so I don't know if I was like it as an adult. Dude, let me tell uh, you something, Caleb. If you're if wait, okay, knowing you, Caleb Shively, if like. Are you telling me you don't think you have the patience to watch like a like a three hour movie about uh, the old west, like and greater than when you were whatever five years old? You know, like I think you'll find, in fact, that it rules. You should definitely uh, check it out. Directed might, by Kevin Costner, for the love of God, this man Kevin, directed himself yeah, in this he movie. Won two Oscars for it, and that is a lot of just my like the craw of it's stuck at the stick in my craw is that is Kevin Costner, who I feel is always a very ham fisted actor. Uh, he might be good in this. Yeah. I don't know. He is. It's got some stuff that's pretty out there as far as like, is this offensive or is this not offensive? Mm-hmm. But it all comes back around. And as I said, we had the director of indigenous programming on who is himself a native person. And he did not find anything particularly objectionable with it even now. And he said at the time it was like huge. It was huge, huge, huge. Everybody loved it. I probably won't go rewatch. We won't go rewatch Dances with the Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can rent it on Amazon Prime yeah. right now, brother. I didn't brother. see, uh, I just did a search of it. It's on uh, Pluto TV, which I don't mind watching. It's ad-supported, but it's free. Pluto TV. Anyway. Oh, my God. But but that movie with ads, you're, you're looking at like a four-hour oh, commitment. good point. You know? Shit, <laughs> man. And also, Pluto TV just plays the same ads. It's like the same energy drink ad over and over again. God, I hate that. <laughs> I hate that. Uh, I'll pick a, a, a more recent movie for my next one that came out. It came out in 2019, was at... Uh, festivals but released here in 2020 so it counts for a 2020 movie that we didn't cover uh and i loved it uh one of the more depressing movies i saw this year beanpole 
which is also on Obama's list of favorite movies. Is it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, set during. What is it? What's it about? Uh, Russia, World War II. What is? It's the siege is over, uh, but like it's still like that depression set area, and uh, this uh, young woman, uh, like, is like look, you know, looking for meaning in her life, and she has like a a job watching a kid, and then her she has seizures and she accidentally uh, smothers a kid and that's the impetus for the movie and the movie gets more depressing from there it's so depressing and i loved how depressing like bare bones it got for like holy shit they're going there uh it won uh in 2019 uh the directing prize at uncertain regard at Cannes, uh and it got like some other you know golden eagle awards and blah 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 but for just that sheer cinema pulling you down into the dregs movie. Nothing got me there quite like Beanpole this year. <laughs> and it, I, I love that stuff. That sounds like exactly the kind of yeah. thing you would really love, uh, Kansomir, <laughs> It really uh, does. Balagov is the director's name. Uh, I believe it's uh, streaming on Amazon right now. I could be wrong, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I mean, I, I I've seen it on uh, several other best of movies lists and I'm glad that I th- uh, just the way it looks too. I, uh, the colors are very saturated and, uh, I don't uh, forget the actress lead actress name. I think she's like a first time actress, but she's super tall and has like bleach blonde hair, and she like sticks out so much in this movie. Uh, yeah, this movie just stuck with me. And again, I love depressing stuff, and this was the most depressing movie I saw this year. You're fucking wild, dude. Dude, you're just yeah. wild. Like, I mean, this does kind of look good. I mean, it, it was it, it does look like the kind of movie we should do on the yeah. show. Like, should we do this? Is, has it been out a long uh, time? I mean. I think it was released in theaters in like May of this year, which means it wasn't, it was just like a contract what had to be reached and they just put it in theaters. But yeah, uh, I mean, we could, but it's way too late. <laughs> Another movie I saw this year <laughs> that I had not seen before that I thought really ruled. Uh, although it's okay. So this movie kind of sucks, but also it's great. Uh, this is arachnophobia. Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen arachnophobia? Hell yeah, man. Underrated movie. Dude, this is a really good movie. It's completely not what I expected it to be, but it also is like, it, it's a horror movie about a town getting attacked by spiders. But up until the very end of the movie, it's just like a weird episode of murder. She wrote or something like it's, it's just a bunch of like kooky characters in the small town hanging out together. <laughs> it's, has an extremely odd energy. Uh, yeah. Uh, John Goodman's really fun in that movie. Uh, Jeff Daniels is great in that movie. Uh, yeah. Jeff Daniels is completely insane and so good in the movie. Uh, Yeah, exactly. And all the spider performers mm -hmm. are really great. It it was directed by this guy. Uh, I know, uh, Frank Frank Marshall. Marshall, Yeah. Uh, In his career, like, I think this was his first movie he directed, but then like, he's mostly a producer. I I think he did uh, a paper moon, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but he did like uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark he... and Poltergeist. He was like a Spiel- like Spielberg's guy producer. Yeah. Uh, but then he directed a... <laughs> his known four movies as a are, as a producer are A Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Congo, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Signs. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, he was like it's a big funny. It's yeah, funny. Spielberg's Zemeckis that connection. So like Arachnophobia kind of is in that world of just like how it's uh, more of a populist film too, but with like a weird premise. Uh, and I think he went on to do uh, Congo, I think, was his other movie. And that was hilarious. Like, he did, uh, I think he did a live. But yeah, he's not a great director, but he's just a fun director when that's sometimes enough. Oh, you know what else he directed? Is he directed Alive. Alive. Nice. 
Yeah, he's a fun director, yeah. which is more than you need. Well, it's pretty funny because he directed Alive and Arachnophobia. I mean, Alive was like a big deal. That Didn't that get nominated for a bunch of Oscars? It's a huge movie, um, yeah. It's a huge movie. It's very much like, they are very well done movies totally in their own right, but imagine the weight they give him as a producer. Like, for your producer to be able to be like, well, when I was directing Alive, what we did, like, I bet it comes up all the time, you know? <laughs> Uh, because it's like actually an accomplishment and the whole thing is of a producer director relationship is like the producer wants artistic control, but like you don't, the director doesn't respect them, you know, because they're just a producer. But if you're like also an Oscar nominated director or something, you know, it's like gives it a lot more weight, you know, (laughs) I think. What's your last with you're on your third one now. Third right? one, What's yeah. And one? I know this is one where Chris would be like, Come on, Caleb, because we did talk about doing this one on the podcast and I exnate it just because I didn't want to talk about it too much. So I'm just gonna talk about it for a little bit right now and then we get to move on. I know what's coming, yeah. you son of a bitch. Yeah, and it's I'm thinking of ending things from our favorite one of our favorite directors, Charlie Kaufman. Uh, I didn't want to do it because I one, it's impossible not to spoil and I have such strong feelings about the actual ending because the book ending, and I, I'm a big fan of the book, and I'm getting, you can tell how I'm talking faster, and this is why I didn't want to do it on the podcast. Uh, they switch it enough where it's different, but it's still the same ending where it gets to the same spot. And I thought it was amazing that he actually, one, wanted to do this as a book and pulled it off. Uh, but blah, 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 I'm not going to talk about the plot too much. Uh, it's a very much a Charlie Kaufman movie where it's heady and depressing and full of references and sad and then it works because there's great performances in it uh jesse plemons is a great actor i think we uh should pay attention to him more as an actor in his choices and uh one of my favorite actresses i've learned this year is uh, jesse buckley who stars in i'm thinking of ending things she's also on fargo this year which she knocked it out of the park uh, and i went and watched a couple of her older movies uh just because i was so blown away by her and uh she's like I'm paying attention to this actress for the rest of my life, Jesse Buckley. Uh, she stars in this movie. But yeah, David Thewlis, uh, the great Tony Collette, is in this movie as well. And it's weird and creepy, and I really, really loved paying attention to it. I watched it twice within a week just because I was wanted to pay attention to all the little things he did and all the editing techniques he did and all the jokes he would put in for readers of the book. So yeah, I probably I might be my... my favorite movies of the year in the sense that I'm biased to that. I love the book so much and I love Charlie Kaufman so much, but I didn't want to do this for the podcast because I wanted to keep that one for myself. You. <laughs> yeah. So you absolute motherfucker. Like, yeah, <laughs> I totally forgot about this whole situation. <laughs> and like, yeah, I, I, this is my answer too for my third one. Uh, I forgot I had a different one, but whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, we definitely, I watched this movie for the show and then we ended up not doing it. We had, oh, we honestly, we've been doing this show almost for two years now. It's very rare that we get in any kind of a serious disagreement, like almost never. And this was one of the times yeah. where we were like having an actual argument over email. But, you know, I respect your opinions and I respect your decisions. And we did not talk about it on the show. Um, but yeah, it was definitely an interesting movie. I was looking forward to talking about it. Uh, and <laughs> everybody say, was talking about it at the time was part of my argument was like, we need true, to be yeah. part of the conversation. But also my yeah. argument, I said right away, like, I don't want to talk about this movie. 
<laughs> you did, I know. In fairness to you, you did say that from the very beginning. Yeah. You said you didn't want to do it, you know. And then I was like bullying you into doing it, and then it, we just didn't do it. Yeah. I, I remember writing my notes for it and stuff, and being like, "Yeah, I could say so much," but also like, I don't want to like hear myself talk about this movie. Even I think that's also part <laughs> of the movie too. Where just like a lot of the movie is uh, a guy in his own. I mean, the whole movie is a guy in his own head, really. So I didn't. It, it affected me that much in a way of like I can't with this movie. I, I had like set it aside and not overly analyze it. And I am at a better place with it now <laughs> than I was during. Uh, well, that's good. I'm glad to hear June that. June or July, 2020, which is a dark period of all our lives. If we remember that. <laughs> yeah. I was pretty fucked up back then. It seemed really, really bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that it's not still bad, but at the time it was like, mm-hmm. there was just no end in sight kind of. And this is a Netflix one. So you could go watch this one on Netflix and you hopefully did already. It, it, it was Mark very, yeah, like Chris said, it's very, it was in the conversation of the time. Yeah, it was a great, I mean, it was, I will say, I, I don't think I liked it as much as you did. I thought it was okay, but I definitely had issues with it. Um, and of course, you have a very different perspective on it, having like yeah. read the book and, you know, you had a different kind of connection to the to it, but like, yeah, it was, it was, it was worth watching, I guess. I don't know if I 100% would recommend <laughs> it, but like, if you're a Charlie Kaufman completist, which, if you're listening to Definitely this podcast, you, you probably are, or just are curious enough about him. <laughs> you're Kaufman curious. Yeah, exactly. I don't know, dude. You got anything else you want to say? That's kind of yeah. it. Like, fucking see you later, 2020. What a piece of shit. You um, were good enough for nothing, 2020. Uh, I don't know. We could yeah, do... Yeah, you're good enough for nothing. An actually best choice movie for 2020, if one you wanted to say overall. I'm... Oh yeah, I sure. might go with. I'm thinking of ending things as my favorite movie. I like time a lot too. I'm between time and I'm thinking of ending things. So motherfucker, uh, either one of those. See, you just have to understand. This is the reason we got in an argument about it. Because Caleb kept saying, like, I really love this movie. I have a lot of strong feelings about it, and therefore I don't want to do it on the <laughs> show. And I was like, What are you talking about? And then to hear you pick it as I your know. favorite movie of the year, like it's literally driving me crazy. <laughs> I know it, uh, it really was. It's like. Honestly, there's a uh, there's a there's a darkness in it that like I knew it would bring out in me uh, when it hit it, especially when we were like getting more argumentative about it. I was like, there's this dark, there's this like, and it also like it's impossible not to spoil. Like this movie is impossible not to spoil. So it's another thing about it too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, for the sake of argument, I'll say time is the best movie. What it is, it really is one of the most. <laughs> you fucking, you whatever, have the courage of your convictions. Yeah, you think I'm thinking of ending things. The I don't best have to have here. courage. I'm on a podcast. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I don't have to do shit. You can't make me do nothing. Gosh, you know, it's actually pretty hard for me to pick the best movie of the year. I'm actually notoriously bad at ranking things. For many years, I qualified to be in the Paz and Jot poll, like the oh, really? annual Village Voice Music poll. Many years, yeah. And even after I had stopped writing for them, they would send me nice. ballots. But I just didn't feel like caught up enough on music. I didn't really know what There's I was doing. I hardly ever voted in it. I only voted in it like two or three times. But I was getting the ballots for a long time. Um, so it was just the setup that I'm actually not very good at this. Ooh, my favorite movie of the year. Good golly. Ooh. I mean, maybe like I think 40-year-old version is like the best movie of mm-hmm. the year. Like, I thought that was a really well-made movie. I thought it was from about a very interesting part of reality that you don't see much about, really, you know? And it rang very true to me. The performances were fantastic. And it was just, like, it was a beautiful New York movie. It was then I'm, I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. It was, like, a love letter to New York. Yeah, it's um, things I loved I really like that movie a lot. Yeah. It's things I loved about other directors, but in a very new light. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad we did that movie as well. It's... Uh, the, once you get past the title of being cheeky, it 
totally works. Yeah, it's pretty stupid. It's a pretty stupid title. Um, but yeah, it's like, you know, Spike Lee, it's like Woody Allen, you know, it's very much in that vein, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, like um, you said, it's a completely different voice. It yeah, it's great. So yeah, that's the year. That's the year. That's the show. Thank you so much, everybody. What a crazy time we all had. Get get the fuck out of here. You did it. We did it. We're all best friends again. Hooray. So yeah, that's your, those are your movies. There's your 2020. Are you still there? Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, I'm. you're kind of graying out. Let's just, uh, yeah, graying. you're back now. Graying. I'm Can graying. I am the gray lord. Oh, no. oh he's gray.